Hey, this is Tom from This Day in Baseball, and this is the Daily Rewind, where we look at five cool things about November 2nd in baseball history. Now, uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, uh, we go up and down the page here, and you can see that there's uh, there's 70 plus events here that happen on November 2nd, uh, and there's uh, hundreds of birthdays and passings that you can check out from players. So, if you're not, if you're just listening to the podcast, check out the website uh, thisdayinbaseball.com. Go to November 2nd, and you can see all these great things. And if you're watching on YouTube, and any of them interest you, just click on to the site and check them out. So, up first, I'm going to give you a little trivia. What 16-year-old future Hall of Fame pitcher signed for $1 in an autographed baseball? I'll get to that at the end of the show. Uh, on November 2nd, 1972, Steve Carlton wins his first Cy Young Award. He led the league in victories with 27. He had a, a 197 ERA, 41 starts, 30 complete games, struck out 310 batters. I think that the most amazing part of Carlton's season was he won 27 games uh, and the Phillies won 59 games as a team. He won 45.8%. It's just an unfathomable stat when you think about uh, today's baseball, right? Um, now, Carlton uh, came over in a trade to the Phillies. Uh, he was traded by the St. Louis Cardinals and he was uh, not an unknown player. Uh, unknown player at the time. He had already had uh, 21 seasons. Uh, he was a three-time All-Star. Uh, in, in 1971, he was just 26 years old. And he was traded to the um, Phillies for Rick Wise, who was the ace of the Philly staff at the time. And the reason for the move was simple money. Uh, Carlton had uh, the nerve to hold out uh, for $55,000, which was 10000 more than Gussie Bush uh, saw fit to pay him, and Carlton had uh, made some salary requests in the past and held out, so Bush decided to trade him. And at the time, again, Carlton and Wise were pretty comparable pitchers, and of course that would change fairly dramatically as Carlton would go on to win multiple Cy Young Awards, strike out 4,136 batters, which at the time was the most for a left-handed pitcher. And he also pitched uh, Philly to a title in 1980. Now let's go to November 2nd, 1999. Ken Griffey Jr., who wants to be nearer to his family in Orlando, asks the Seattle Mariners to move him to a team that is closer to Florida. The superstar will get his wish in February, and he gets to go home when Seattle trades him to the Cincinnati Reds, where his dad starred, for Mike Cameron, Antonio Perez, and Brent Tomko, and a minor leaguer, Jake Meyer. Griffey, one of the most popular players in baseball history, who was just 29 at the time, and the sky was the limit. Uh, a lot of people like to like to compare him to Willie Mays, and you know, and just uh, his pure grace on the field was uh, legendary. But um, after after age 29, uh, he's never going to play at the same level he did with the Mariners. And he has a very mediocre decade with the Reds before finishing out his career, jumping from a few different teams, the Braves and the White Sox. Now, a little bit of a Philly trend here. On November 2nd, 2005, uh, Pat Gillick signs a three-year deal becoming the Phillies general manager. The 68-year-old who has held the same positions with the Orioles, Blue Jays, and Mariners has led his teams to two World Series titles and nine playoff appearances. And Gillick uh, starts off with a bang. He trades Jim Tomei right away uh, and makes room for a young superstar named Ryan Howard. Now, uh, Howard and Gillick uh, will work together and lead Philly to a title in 2008. 
Uh, Gillick will retire from the general manager's position at the end of his contract, take a different role with the team, and then he's going to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2010. Batting third here on November 2nd, 2016, in an epic Game 7, the Chicago Cubs beat the Cleveland Indians for their first World Series title in 108 years. They defeat the Indians 8-7 in Game 7. They made up a 3-1 deficit. And in a forever classic moment, uh, you, you know, being someone who's been to Fenway Park uh, quite a bit, uh, I understand the fact that no matter what the score is, you think your team is going to lose. In the ninth end in the game seven, up by a run, uh, what happens? You know, uh, Chapman gives up a home run to Rajay Davis, and the game is tied, and they go into extra innings. I, I could feel what every Cubs fan has ever felt, uh, you know, and I felt that right up until 2004, and I could certainly uh, empathize with them. But then, you know, a miracle happened. It started to rain. Uh, there was a slight delay, and then the Cubs came out right out. They um, Ben Zobris, who wins the World Series MVP, puts the Cubs ahead with the double, and then they close it out in the bottom of the tenth. And history is made, and they win their first title in 108 years. It was a uh, uh, the longest drought in uh, Major League Baseball, and now it's the Indians that uh, have the uh, misfortune of having the longest drought in Major League Baseball. They haven't won a title since 1948. So before I get to the trivia, I just want to send out a special invite to you to join uh, my baseball community, TomsVintageBaseball.com. This is a place where we relive baseball history to the voices of the past. We have hundreds of interviews spanning back um, with players to the turn of the century, um, all the way up into the 70s. There's old baseball broadcasts. There's dozens and dozens of all-star games, hundreds of World Series games, hundreds of regular season games. And we have these uh, great uh, clips of Stan Musial and Whitey Ford and so many others. What I love about audio is you get to hear it in their voice. It's not reading a book, and there's some great authors out there, and I have thousands of baseball books, but it's not reading a book. It's not hearing somebody else talk about what happened. It's actually hearing it from them. I hope you join us over there. You can start listening today at TomsVintageBaseball.com. Now, who is the youngster that signed for a dollar in an autograph baseball? It happened on July 22nd, 1935. He was just 16 years old, um, and he was signed by Cy Slapnicka. I hope I have pronounced that right. Uh, he was a scout for the Cleveland Indians. He signed uh, today's birthday boy, uh, Bob Feller and uh, Slapnecker inked Feller to a minor league contract with the Fargo Moorhead of the Northern League. Uh, Feller finished his senior year at Van Meter High School and he went directly uh, to the Cleveland Indians in 1936. Now his signing was a point of contention and it resulted in Cleveland actually having to pay a $7,500 fine to the owner of the Des Moines team because he was in their area and usually the that was an area-based system they had back then because uh, he lost out to signing the young fella. I think the 7500 was money well spent for the Indians. Um, so uh, Robert William Andrew Fellow was born on November 3rd, 1918 in a small Midwestern town of Van Meter, Iowa. He was blessed with a resilient arm, an overpowering fastball that frequently approached 100 miles per hour. Fellow was the most dominant pitcher of his era. And despite missing four full seasons during the peak of his career to join the World War II effort, Feller compiled 266 victories over the course of 18 big league seasons, including three no-hitters and 12 one-hitters. 
Many people still feel that no one has ever thrown a baseball harder than Bob Feller. He's a Cleveland Indian Hall of Famer, and of course, he's a, uh, he was inducted into Baseball's Hall of Fame. And you can read more about him on thisdayinbaseball.com. Go to Bob Feller's biography. And that's all I got for today, November 2nd. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Have a great rest.